You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to Dilly Ding Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me uh, at the King Power Stadium today is James the Sharp and Sharp. And we've just sat through Claude Pearl's pre-match press conference for the trip to his former club Southampton on Saturday. It's only the third game of the season, um, but already he's got uh, a few injury suspension issues, yeah. uh, which we'll be getting into. First of all, James, let's start with the team news in terms of injuries. There is basically well, there's two. There's Matty James, who's still out with his Achilles problem, which he had knee, he had an operation on over the summer. He's still recovering from that, so Matty James is still a long-term absentee. Shinji Okazaki could be back, which is a positive. Pollard said that he might have to play from 23's games because he came back late from the World Cup, came back the the week before the Premier League started, the same time as Maguire and Vardy. But he picked up an injury while he was out in Russia with Japan and hasn't quite been up to match fitness so far. But Puel said that he's got another training session and he's going to be assessed and could feature if he gets through that, which Okazaki will hope so because he uh, scored twice at St Mary's last season in that 4-1 win. So he could be back. Someone that isn't going to be playing is Leicester's new signing, Chala Sunja. Could you say that again, please? Chala Soyuncu. And you've checked that out, haven't you, with t- Turkish media? Well, I, say t- I say I've checked it out. Turkish people checked us out when we were saying it wrong. Yeah. Uh, but he arrived with an injury, according to Claude Well, He came with an injury, so he's just been doing rehabilitation work and won't be ready to start his first game, or play his game. He was here on Saturday, because when I was mingling around the mix zone afterwards, he was being shown... Uh, the players' lounge and the the, uh, the home changing room. So a little bit longer before fans see him in action. Yeah, we were hopeful that he might feature along with a lot of the lads that need games in Tuesday night's Caribou Cup game against Fleetwood here. But uh, obviously that might not be the case. And I read a report in Turkish media this morning that uh, he won't be available till the start of September, which isn't far away. But um, uh, just goes to show that um, yeah, he, he you know he's, we're not going to see him um, immediately. Uh, Benkovic could play on Tuesday night. Yeah, well, he's him. played a couple of the, he's played a couple of twenty ones games, hasn't he? He was another deadline day signing. Uh, he was from Dinamo Zagreb, another centre back. He's played a couple of twenty threes games, but you'd imagine that he'd feature at Fleetwood. Yeah, and there's a number that'll probably uh, feature. But let's uh, concentrate back on Southampton. Okazaki being available, that's mm-hmm. uh, a bit of a boost for um, Claude Puel, considering Jamie Vardy's out for the next three games after his red card against the Wolves. Um, a, a, well, we've talked at length yeah. about the the challenge, but he is unavailable. So um, we're all expecting Kletchi and Nacho to be given the nod to yeah. lead lead the attack. But Shinji Okazaki certainly gives uh, Puel another option, and he mentioned another one as well, which uh, slightly surprised me. Even though I shouldn't be that surprised because we saw it a little bit in preseason. Damari Gray. Yeah, I was going to say that I reckon Shinji would be third choice in that list of. Who could replace Jamie Vardy? I reckon it would go Ian Acho, then Gray, then Okazaki. Um, ran a piece, oh, ran a story online 
yesterday an interview with with Gray where he talked about how much he's been working one on one with Puel and I think Puel likes him. He's he's given him a lot of one to one sessions. Glowing in praise with him for him today, wasn't he? Yeah, and so I think what Ian actually is the, is the one you'd expect to come in. He's the one that performed so well in pre season, four goals in three games. Didn't take his chance against United and missed a couple, so Vardy came back in. The natural successor would be Ian Acho. But then I think Gray is in there. He like he played him he played him in pre season up front. Talking to Gray after the game against Wolves because he because well, it was Gray who went up front after Vardy got sent off. He likes the freedom of playing up in that middle in that central role. Puel likes him there, so I reckon he might just jump above Okazaki in the making order. But he hasn't got the greatest goals ratio, has he? No, uh, he's just reached a hundred Premier League appearances. No, not Premier League. Hundred club appearances for Leicester, only six goals. So that's not the greatest strike ratio for. Uh, I because mean, Puel was saying there in the press conference, wasn't he, that you know he thinks long term that might be his role and that'd be great for City and for England even. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, I, I think uh, that goal ratio would have to go up considerably for him to be considered at that sort of level. But uh, that was interesting. It's an interesting one, isn't it, for him to to throw into the melting pot? And uh, but there's no question, Jamie Vardy's going to be. Well, impossible to replace, isn't he? Um, I know he's got different options. There are different players, but um, as he's been asked today, you might have to change the way they play a little bit. Yeah, because we've said this before, haven't we, that when Leicester do have to think about life without Vardy for the long term, it's going to be difficult because no one, no one plays like Vardy. Vardy's just... He's a unique player. He's he's, on he's the a sh- throwback. We talked about yeah. it in terms of his tackling, but also in the style of play, he's a throwback. Yeah, he's the old, he's your old style Gary Lineker type. Yeah, not the like last not, man. Yeah, he's the get the, the quick striker gets on the shoulder of the last man, makes runs in behind, latches onto through balls, and is as ruthless in front of goal as any other striker in the Premier League. Without that, Ian Acho and, and, and Paul said at his press conference Ian Acho, Gray, Okazaki they offer something different he said Varney doesn't sometimes as we, doesn't get involved in play that much and that is, is why sometimes unless they don't play very well it, Varney's sometimes isolated because he's there waiting for everyone else to get him into play Ian Acho and Gray and Okazaki they would be expected to, to maybe drop a little bit deeper and start and, and take more part in the play Paul said that they've worked on it and they've worked on different people so it will be interesting to see how they go about their style without Vardy there. Well James Madison certainly given them um, a different leaf the life up front mm. haven't they? He's a very different option. He's had a great start to his um, City career. Southampton were in for him when Leicester came in for him from Norwich in the in the summer. So it'll be interesting his third game and he goes to Southampton and hopefully shows them what they missed out on and uh, He's been talking about Madison as well today, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Um, Madison's impressed everyone really since he's been here, and we know in pre-season we saw flickers of of the kind of player that Leicester have been looking for, and he's carried that through to the start of the season. Isn't it? Didn't look at. He didn't look overawed at Old Trafford, where of all places you can, you can. It's quite an intimidating place to make your debut and first goal at home against Wolves. He's got a bit of a swagger about him when he's on the pitch, and already people are starting to talk about him in potential England um, England circles. Paul was asked again today about England. Ben Chilwell, I know he's his best mate, and they're always hanging around together. He's already pushed him for England. 
people are already talking about him in those kind of circles. But bit early, isn't it? Yeah. Don't think he's, he's had two, two games, yeah. two games in the Premier League. He had a great season in the Championship, but uh, he's only young. I mean. I know we've got a, a dearth of English players in the top flight for Gareth Southgate to, to pick from, and I, and I know he's a, a talented youngster as Benchil is, as Damari Gray is, but uh, we don't seem to uh, wait too long before people are calling for him to be called into the England squad. No, no, it's, I guess it's our fault as well, isn't it? Because it makes you, gives you nice lines when people start talking about people for England. We are sometimes guilty of bigging people up too early and then knocking them down when they don't do overly well, which I think is why it's good. It's not good from a journalist's point of view when Puel tries to play it down and saying, well, look, I'd, I'd love him to play for England, but I'd rather him just focus on his football, which is kind of what he said. He said, look, look, we all hope that he plays for England, but to do that, he needs to make sure he does it for Leicester week after week after week. And now that might be, journalists might find that, might hear that and go, oh, that's not going to give us the best line. But... It's right, isn't it? He, he can't just. He's, he's got an advantage on a lot of his rivals as well because he's going to play consistently. Yeah. I mean, you look at the, the lads that are at United, like Jesse Lingard, he don't play every week. And Marcus quite, Rashford. Marcus Rashford don't play every week. Yeah, they, uh, you know, they're getting into the uh, England squad. So I suppose you'll look at that and think, well, if I play every week and I, and I, I do reasonably well, catch him, perhaps I have got a chance. Perhaps he has got a chance. One thing that Paul did say that was interesting to me. Uh, today was he said he, he was going to use the um, the England game, which is going to be hosted here at the King Power Stadium in Switzerland next month, as motivation for the lads like Chilwell, uh, Gray, and Madison. Yeah, but well, I guess it's not a bad idea, is it? Because Leicester play well, England play Switzerland here, and if you're ever going to get a taster of of English life, of, of England and watching England football, then then that is that. I agree with you when you talk about Madison playing week in, week out. And that, how great is it for England and Gareth Southgate that you look at that Leicester team now and all the talk about like Paul bringing through young players. He's got that little triumvirate of, of Madison and Chilwell and Gray who are playing in England's youth setup at the minute. But that, there are three young, exciting, still raw English players all quite all very attacking in their roles, but they are playing together week in, week out for the same club. They're great mates. They are going to be playing and linking up with each other all the time and then develop an understanding there throughout the whole season at Leicester, hopefully. Then that's easy then to translate that onto the England, England side. Well, all three are already in the under-21 yeah. squad. And you've got the Harry Maguire... A factor as well inside Ben Chilwell as well. So if you're striking up a partnership between Maguire and Chilwell... Who knows? I mean, that might be something that Southgate wants to replicate. But it's exciting for, for Leicester fans. Hugely exciting for Leicester fans to see all these young English players coming through the ranks at Leicester. So then when, if they do progress and they do fulfil their potentials for the senior squads, Leicester fans, oh, we all know how excited we were watching Harry Maguire play for England and watching Vardy play for England. The more young English players that are Leicester players playing for England, that's one exciting for a Leicester fan. Well, let's talk about another exciting young player, but he's not English. He's Nigerian, and he's just signed yes. a six-year contract, an incredible uh, length of time to commit yourself to the club for, which I think Leicester are absolutely delighted he has done, and he seems right at home here. And uh, Wilfred Ndidi, um, mm. fantastic news for Leicester City and, uh, and for Claude Puel, he's been asked about it today. Puel was almost wide-eyed the next time when he was talking about 
than Diddy in his press conference today. And he made a point that we've made before and that everyone has, which is you do forget that he's still only 21. Mm. Which, because of just how how experienced he already seems at this level, how mature he seems at this level, how consistent he is at this level. For a player of 20, uh, 21 years old, you would expect them to be show a lot of promise, but still be quite raw and still be a little bit in and out. Whereas, indeed, if we just see week after week after week after week, he churns out these superb performances. He's one of the first names on the team sheet. He's still getting better, but he's still only 21. He's, like, he's been here since what? Since what? Last January, or eighteen months-ish, um, and he just keeps getting it. The, the improvement in that eighteen-month spell for me has been quite incredible. Because when he first came, he was gangly and he was effective at getting the ball back, but he looked awkward yeah. and he wasn't particularly impressive on the ball. He gave it as well. Yeah, we've said that won it, haven't we? We've said that a lot of times where he'd win it and then give it away again. Yeah, then have to go and win it again. Go and do it all over again. But um, he certainly improved in that that department and. Uh, I think there's no real limit to how good he can actually get and if he continues with this development. And again, I go back to it, it's because he's playing week in, week out in the Premier League. And there's only one way you can improve, and that's by playing football. Yeah, and it's quite scary to think that if he sees out this six-year contract at Leicester, he will only be 27 and probably only then be in his prime. Yeah. That is a hugely scary thought. You consider how good he... Well, how how good he was when he first came here in terms of being ready-made for the Premier League, but still very raw. And, that's, and then how good he is now, and he's added so much to his game now. He's so much better on the ball now. He's so much better distributing the ball now. He reads the game much better. He can, as Paul put it, he can, he can direct Leicester's play. He can give the information to all his teammates. And he's still 21. And in six years' time, if hopefully he's still here, he'll be 27... And the improvement in 18 months, given the six-year improvement, it is, it's, it's really well, scary and also exciting to how good he could be. We've seen it in flashes with him last season um, when he did get in and around the box. You know, He has got a shot on him. He, he can score a goal. I don't think this system now allows him to get forward as much as he naturally probably would, would like to do because he and whoever plays alongside him, and it has been a case of you know swapping his partner yeah. on a weekly basis... Um, they have that sitting holding role, that responsibility to cover fullbacks when they go forward and things like that. So it probably doesn't allow him to get forward and, and score the goals, the eye grabbing goals that make people think, "Wow, this is you know this is a top notch striker." But he's got it in his locker, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, although Vardy does warn him not to not to shoot on a on a matchly basis. Uh, yeah, there is that. But when you like you said when you mentioned about the players that kind of rotate in that position alongside him, you've got. An established Portugal international and a European champion in Adrian Silva. You've got a three-time Europa League winner in Vicente Abora. And you've got a 21-year-old lad who's been here 18 months. Is the first choice. Hmm. He, he is, he's more dependable. He's more crucial to how the player wants to play than those two players who are hugely decorated and hugely experienced. And we haven't mentioned Papi Mendy, who's keep also keeping those two out at the moment. And having you know seen his performance last week, do you think he's going to start again uh, alongside Nididi at Southampton? Yeah. Okay, can't not. I mean, what message would he send out if he didn't start? Yeah, I mean, 
Well, it was a superb performance and unexpected because no, no one thought he was going to be in the team. But well, I don't think anybody thought that thought they'd see him in a City shirt again. No, remarkable story, really, his transformation. Yeah, it has. But I think Puel had already said when he first came here, he he knows him well from Nice, and he was his captain at Nice, so he's always he's always going to be in Puel's kind of good books. But no, it really was a super, a super performance, really surprising, and I'd be staggered if he didn't start. Well, let's talk about the back four now. We're going from striker number yeah, nine move the, move to the back. back four. Now, I, I, I massively believe in settled back four, mm. picking your best back four and sticking with them week in, week out. Now, we've seen two changes in both games so far this season, Man United and Wolves. Ricardo started as right winger with Danny Amate. Now, well, Ricardo's gone back to right back. And at centre back, we saw Wes Morgan start at United. Now, Johnny Evans has come in. They've looked vulnerable, haven't they? Yeah. Defensively. What's the strongest back four? Now, yeah. considering that, well, Soyuncu is not available. My back. We four, haven't seen him play yet. Yeah, so exactly. it's hard to my back four is Pereira on one side, Chill on the other, Maguire and Evans. Just, just ahead of Wes Morgan. Yeah, just, and it is very just because we saw. Evans and I spoke to Evans afterwards, and he was quite open about the fact that he had a really rusty start um, because he he's had injuries in pre-season. He had he? injuries in pre-season, and also interestingly, he started on the right-hand side of the centre backs. He's used to playing on the left, but Maguire was on the left, which but, seems to suggest that Maguire pulled rank on him and said, "No, I'm starting on the left." But Maguire's right footed. Yeah, I know, I know. So that was took a bit of getting used to, and to begin with, it did look a bit all over the place, and all those people that were calling for West to be dropped for Evans must have been thinking oh blimey but, but to be fair to Evans he did grow into the role in the second half looked much more accomplished and I think now <coughs> he's got another week of training in his body he's, he's fit again he's got a game under him I, I think now he can start to hone that position and I, can, I see those two starting more um, again I always think Wes is criticised more than he should be but I do think Wes to play week in week out will be difficult on his body more than anything. Yeah. Oh, that's I spoke to, to, to him after the Man U game and I said, well, "How's the body feeling?" And he went, oh, "I'm in one piece uh, for now. We'll see." Yeah. So I think Evans and Maguire. I think Morgan's realistic to know that he can't play week in week out like he has done over the previous seasons. Johnny Evans, I think, needs a bit, given a bit more time alongside Maguire, certainly until uh, Pills had the chance to um, properly assess his two new young centre backs. Because um, we saw last season that Dragovic come in, once he got his chance, he, he certainly impressed and he became a contender um, to start ahead of Wes Morgan. So perhaps it's going to be one of the new young guys in the long term. But Johnny Evans, plenty of experience, you needed that alongside um, new guys in the side. And certainly when you've got that, 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 those youngsters in front of you as well, I think Johnny Evans will probably get the nod. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, what do you think for Southampton then? It was the performance of the season last year. Down there, Shinji Okazaki, beaming smile, got even broader yeah. at St Mary's. Um, third game of the season. It's really difficult to really assess where Leicester City are at the moment. Um, Claude Powell said that they're on a similar level to Leicester City. Um, I've sort of seen a, bits and bobs of them this season. They've got Danny Ings and uh, uh, he, he's always a threat and Charlie Austin, but... I think he's trying to turn for expectations. I think so as well. I don't... I, I, they're I, not. I think Southampton will be in that bottom half... 
fighting off relegation this season. Oh yeah, I agree. And then they survived by the skin of their teeth last season and showed that when you do sell all your best players every summer, it does come back to bite you on the backside eventually. What a contrast though between the two clubs and their attitudes. I mean, we've seen talked about City putting Nididi on a six-year contract. We talked about them fighting off um, Man United's attentions for Maguire, um, for Jamie Vardy's new contract. You know, frustrating Man City for a year. Mahrez was only sold when Leicester eventually decided it was the right time. And then Southampton have had so many good young players and they've sold them all. So what a contrast. It just goes to show, doesn't it, really, about the ambitions of the clubs, Leicester City and Southampton. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And also, I think it also shows that Leicester's owners go about things slightly differently. Um, Obviously, they are business people. And so it's always about their brand and their product and their team. And... um, making money eventually but I think that's going to see it a lot of a lot of clubs owners you always think are always interested about the bottom line now and things now whereas we saw in the programme notes talking about building for the future and evolving the squad you always think that's going to see things in the future and think well if we can build this over the next few years we can build this project then we then we have something that can have long term sustainable success and I don't think Many, especially foreign owners who come in and buy clubs, think that way. And I think it should, the way Leicester are holding out on all these big teams shows the ambition, but also shows the fact they are looking forward to the future more than others. Well, I don't think Leicester City will lose on the South Coast this weekend. I don't Bold prediction. Fancy a win. I do fancy yeah. a win. Well, the, Vardy didn't score last year. But it all depends on who had taken their chances, doesn't it? Um, we saw at United them create a number of chances, not not really score. Um, you know, OG against Wolves and a deflection from Madison. They didn't take the clear cut chances. It's going to be an important aspect of any yeah. any game. That's the that's the thing about missing Vardy that is the is the crucial bit. It's that he is ruthless in front of goal, and we saw it even last season when he was unbelievably isolated. He would go through games, have one chance, and he'd score it. I don't know. Leicester's are the strikers. They have their own positives, but you wouldn't put your house on them scoring one chance, which you would do with Vardy. And that's the thing. Like at Man at Man United, Leicester create dominated parts of the game and created some really good chances, but couldn't put them away. That's what they've got to do at Southampton. And I think once they get that, if they can get someone to do that, then I think they'll be fine. Well, uh, we'll have a live blog. James will be running a live blog throughout the afternoon so you can follow all the action at St Mary's on the Leicestershire Live website. We've got lots of stories uh, on the website and on our Facebook page building up to the game. We've got all the team news and all the gossip going into that game. And uh, you can join us again on Dilly Ding, Dilly Dong next week when we'll be reflecting on, hopefully, a Leicester City victory. Thank you for joining us.